listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Hobart, Tasmania and in our studio today I've got Gary Webster to continue our series called Lifetime Search. Welcome Gary. Hi Jason, great to be back again. How are you Gary? You've been around a bit too, you've been up and down and here and there. Up and down, yeah, yeah, but a great week. Good week, awesome. Well it's good to have you in the studio today Gary and uh, you know previously you've told us that you've studied archaeology, you've studied the you've studied science um, but I'm interested and I did ask you a question earlier about you know what made you get into archaeology but I'm interested as to what then I think you did theology after archaeology or the other way around? Other way around actually. Other way around yeah. okay so you started with theology so what yeah. what made you get into theology then? Well to cut a long story short Jason it was because I heard the story of the cross realised that God loved me so much and that's just the way it was and I realised wow he cared about me, so it brought me tremendous peace of mind, a, a meaning and a purpose in life, and, and a hope for the future. And I just wanted to share that with other people, so that's how, that's how come I got into that. Awesome. And so the archaeology was part of, I guess, your interest in... Yeah, that was the, that was the sort of the... that kept, helped me realise that, well, there's somebody out there. And the, the evidence was there. Yeah. That, and then that when just, I yeah. dug more into the, into the Bible, that's when I discovered the grace and the kindness of love of God. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, before we get into our program, I'll just uh, tell our listeners about our show number. That's 488 You can text your questions or responses to our uh, offers that we will give you today. There is an offer, uh, a new offer that we're going to be giving you a bit later in the program today, and we'll, we'll give you more information about that. So save this number in your phone, 488 and remember that that is the Tassie Encounters number. So if you are interacting with Faith FM and other shows, you need to make sure you use the number for their show if you're trying to get their offers. So, Well, today, Gary, you've titled this uh, talk Back to the Future Beyond Disbelief. Is that right? Mm, yeah, we're going back to go to the fore, Jason, today. Okay. Yeah, look, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, program that we have today, Jason. Some years ago, in actual fact, a submarine was rammed by a uh, U.S. Coast Guard ship, I think it was, and the submarine sank to the bottom of the ocean off the east coast of the United States. And divers were sent down from the U.S. Navy to see if they could get the few f- fellows that were still alive in one of the holds of the submarine. As they were clambering over the submarine, at least swimming over it and feeling over the hull, they felt a tapping sound, a feeling coming from inside the submarine. And they realised someone was tapping a message on the inside hull of that submarine in Morse code. Wow. And the message was, is there any hope? Wow. Mighty good question when you're trapped in a submarine. Yeah, I, I don't think I could handle um, doing work in a submarine. I think no, a little bit claustrophobic. Yeah, it's a bit scary for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and Jason, that haunting question, is there any hope, is the very same question that many, many people around our world are asking today as they look out on the, on the horizon of our world, not the horizon, what's going on around us, is there any hope? Just yesterday, I was listening to one of Winston Churchill's speeches that he gave during the Second World War, and he had this to say, uh, I, I guess it was after the war, but he said, I tell you, I have no hope. I see no hope for the world. Now, from his perspective as a, as a world leader, that's the outlook he had back in his time, which brings us back to that question, doesn't it? Is there any hope? Yeah. Yeah. So, Jason, to, to answer that question, because it's a very vital one that's on the lips of many people today, I want to go back to that book of Daniel. We were there previously, a 6th century BC book, 
we know it's least goes back to the 100 to 200 years before Christ because it's in the Dead Sea Scrolls we talked about earlier. Yeah. And what we're going to discover, it has predictions 2,500 years ago concerning the very times in which we're living. Mm. It's, it's actually mind-boggling as we're going to see. Anyway, let's get to the story. Yeah. In Daniel chapter, his second chapter of the book, uh, he tells about how King Nebuchadnezzar, who we know we have plenty of archaeological evidence for this king, had a, a, a dream, and he was deeply disturbed when he woke up. Now, we know actually from archaeology today that that's very factual because, <clears throat> pardon me, the Babylonians put a lot of stock in dreams. You can go to the British Museum and you can see dream omen tablets. So a dream meant something's going to happen and I need to know what the dream means so that I can you know, change what I'm doing so I can avert what the dream's pointing to. So he's deeply disturbed. He calls in his uh, advisors straight away, and these advisors were astrologers, magicians, and so on. We would call them psychics today. And uh, that, again, is another historically actual or factual piece of detail there because you can go to the Louvre Museum and you can see, for example, Babylonian astrology charts. Yeah. Can't read them. They're in that cuneiform script, but... You know, some people can read them. So the Babylonians were big into that, as the Bible said, and that's what they discovered. So he calls in these advisors and he says, listen, guys, he says, uh, had this horrible nightmare last night, this dream. I want to know what it means. They said, no problem, King, just just tell, tell, us, us, tell us what it is. Yeah. He said, well, that is my problem. He said, I can't remember what I dreamt. <laughs> you ever had one of those, Jason? Yeah, it, most of my dreams I don't remember. <laughs> Probably that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this guy couldn't remember his dream. So uh, they said, well, King, you know, give us a break. I mean, how can we tell you what it means if you don't even tell us what it was? Well, he says, listen, if you guys are so smart and you can, you know, putting uh, interpretations on my dream, you tell me what, it, what I dreamt and then I'll believe the spin you put on it. Yeah. Well, of course, um, he had them over a barrel there and they said, listen, no, nobody can tell you what you dreamt last night, not even the gods, and they weigh up. Only the gods, they said, and they live way out there somewhere. You know, they're not around us, so we just can't come up with that. He says, okay, well, that's okay. You get executed. Mm. <laughs> I'm rather glad that uh, they don't do that today to advisors, at least not in our country anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the soldiers came to round up Daniel. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't um, uh, into astrology and, and magic, but he was an advisor, and being an advisor, he was uh, rounded up. And he, and says, he was part of that same group. Part yeah. of the same group. Yeah. So when they came to him to you know, take his head off, he says, hey, come on, what's going on here? And they said, oh, this is what you know, the background is. The king had this dream. And he says, well, look, take me to the king, and uh, I want to I have a chat with him. So he goes to the king, and he says, listen, can you give me a bit of time, and I'll tell you what you dreamt. So he went home, and uh, I guess, you know, there's no atheist in foxholes, as we say, is there? Yeah, that's you know, right. You know, when you're between a rock and a hard place, I think most people, even atheists, cry out, God help me. Mm. And that's, well, Daniel wasn't, of course, an atheist, but he, he, he prayed. He said, God, we need your help, because if we don't come up with what the king dreamt, we lose our head. And that night, Jason, he has the same dream as the king had, and He's taken in the next day to the king, and he says, King, this is what you dreamt. You saw this humongous statue. With the head was gold, the chest and arms were silver, the belly and the thighs of this image was brass, and the legs were made of iron, and the feet were made of iron and clay. And then you saw this rock cut out of a mountain without any human hands doing it. It smashed the image on the feet, 
and uh, all the pieces were, you know, the whole thing was smashed to pieces and blown away like pieces of dust. And then that stone that hit the image on the feet, it became a huge mountain and it filled up the whole world. Now, you can imagine the, king, the king's eyes nearly popped out of his head. He says, that's, that's exactly what I dreamt. Now, what does it mean? Well, Daniel unfolds for him a succession of four world superpowers or empires, if you would, culminating in the last empire, which we're going to see uh, uh, as we move through this. He begins by saying, well, king, let's begin up the top, the head of gold. That's you. He says in verse 38 of chapter 2, you are this head of gold. Now, that was a fitting symbol for Babylon because it was a fabulously wealthy city and, uh, and uh, historians know that there was an awful lot of gold that uh, was in Babylon. For example, Alexander the Great took away 500 camels loaded with, um, with gold when he came 200 years later from the city of Babylon. So a very fitting symbol. Now, the Babylonian Empire only lasted about 70 years from 605 to 539 BC. So... That's fairly short in the in the grand scheme of things, isn't it? So yeah, it is. It was so, only about a seventy year old. So even though only seventy years, what what happened after that? Oh, good question. So let, well, let's let Daniel tell the king. Okay. So he, he says to the king, "Now after you," he says, "you'll there'll arise another kingdom, but it's going to be inferior to yours in terms of its value: the silver chest and arms." Now, of course, this represents Medo-Persia. We're told that later on in his book that, that the Second Empire was Medo-Persia uh, in his eighth chapter. Now, it was Cyrus the Great who conquered Babylon. We have a lot of historical evidence for that. And by the way, Isaiah the prophet actually predicted that the, um, the Babylonians would be conquered by Cyrus the Great. He actually mentions that 150 years before Cyrus is born, around 700 BC. That's absolutely incredible when you think about it. Mm. So he gave incredible evidence that uh, this this uh, next kingdom would be Medo-Persia. Now, when you have a look, he predicted, for example, that Babylon's gates would be left open to Cyrus. He mentions that in uh, Isaiah 45, verse 1. He also mentions that Cyrus would let the Israelites go free and they could rebuild Jerusalem. He mentions That's mentioned in Isaiah 45, 13. He also mentions that Cyrus will help build up the temple, again in Isaiah 44, 28. So very specific predictions, 150 years before they even happened, before even Cyrus was born, he makes these predictions, and all of them have happened. And we know that because of what archaeologists have discovered. We'll talk about that a little later on in our program. So I guess uh, we're going to go on and, and talk more about what this dream meant after the break. Yeah, exactly. I'll actually show you um, how those predictions from Isaiah in the in terms of Medo-Persia taken over, how they were actually fulfilled because it's just phenomenal. Now, before we go to the, the next song, Jason, I, I want our listeners to know that we've got a tremendous offer uh, to go with today's program. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll give you the number again when we talk more about that offer. But uh, just for now, we'll go to a break. And this is Above All by Michael W. Smith. Above all 
above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. You were here before the world began. W. Smith with Above All. It's a beautiful song. 
Now I'm speaking with Gary Webster and we're talking about some of the prophecies mainly focused around Daniel chapter 2 today and Gary, we were, men- we were mentioning, uh, you mentioned earlier a number of prophecies that were mentioned, very specific things in Isaiah, and uh, we're going to unpack that and go on with the rest of the uh, chapter of Daniel 2 as well, I believe. Um, but can you just remind us what those prophecies were uh, and, you know, how they, uh, you know, did they come true? Did, were they fulfilled? Yeah, good good question, Jason. Um, let's re- Let me remind our listeners that the book of Isaiah... We have copies of that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, very clearly. Uh, The original is back in 700 BC. Mm -hmm. The events that we're talking about now are around 539 BC. So about 150 years later, these events take place. Yet Isaiah predicts and even names Cyrus by name, who will be the one that will conquer Babylon. And he's a Medo-Persian king. So that's the first one, is Cyrus is going to do it. That's even before Babylon existed as a as a major power. Yeah, it, has, it hasn't become number one superpower. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. The Assyrians are in control at this yeah. time of Isaiah. So number one, Cyrus is going to be the one. He'll conquer Babylon, and its gates will be left open to him, and it names him. You mm. know, and then the second one was Cyrus will let the Israelites go uh, from Babylon and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. So your question is, uh, were these predictions actually fulfilled? Well, amazingly, they certainly were. The fateful night for the Babylonians, uh, Jason, was October 13, 539 BC. Now, the Medo-Persian army had defeated the Babylonian army outside of Babylon. The Babylonians withdrew into their city. And now the Medo-Persians besiege the city. It's while they were besieging this city that we have a famous story in, in the book of Daniel with the handwriting on the wall. I'm not sure you've heard of that one. Yes, I have uh, I have heard of that one. Yeah, they're having a party. Yep. It was a great feast of the Babylonians. We know that from history as well. And wine, women and song, it's all on. And suddenly this bloodless hand writes a message on the plaster of the palace wall. Of course, the party stopped right there, didn't it? Mm. Um, what does that mean? What's this, what's this strange omen mean with this writing on the wall? Well, in meanwhile, while the party's going on outside the city, uh, Cyrus had his workmen do a bit of little tinkering with that part of the Euphrates River that flowed through Babylon. And they dug some channels off and from the river, and, that, and, and thus it lowered the level of the water that flowed through Babylon, because Babylon was built on both sides of that part of the Euphrates. So the, the river's lowered. Now the soldiers walk along the uh, muddy riverbank, so to speak, or a little bit of water in it, and they walk right alongside the gates of the city, because remember, the city is built on both sides. So these soldiers are on both sides, but how are they going to get in? Because there were river gates on the city of Babylon. Well, evidently, we're not sure why they were they were left open. Perhaps the soldiers were also drunk, the Babylonian soldiers, but the gates were left open. The Babylonians walked in and took the city. You so mean, the gates were definitely left open. You mean uh, Cyrus's army walked Cyrus's in? Cyrus's army yeah, walked you in. Said walked, the Babylonians. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Babylonians soldiers were drunk, evidently, yes, yeah. or at least they didn't shut the gates, yeah. and the, the Medo-Persian soldiers walked, walked into the city in, yeah. and took it. And the gates were left open. That's the prophecy that was made. Now, more than that, um, when you see how the Babylonians conquered, the the Medo-Persians conquered the the city and the Babylon, that's actually mentioned in this famous Cyrus Cylinder. If anyone ever goes to London, some of our listeners, they want to go to the British Museum because there's so much there that confirms the biblical story. And one of them is this story where Cyrus has this cylinder 
clay cylinder, and he records how he uh, was the one who took Babylon. And uh, then, of course, he let the Israelites go. That's, that cylinder also says how he let people who were captured by the Babylonians go to their homes and build their temples and so on. So, again, the, the archaeology and history confirm exactly what the Bible says. So those prophecies, those predictions made by Isaiah some 700 years before Christ or 150 years before Cyrus were absolutely fulfilled. It's, it's, it's incredible, isn't it, Jason? It is, it is. Um, it's just incredible the the specificity, if exactly, that's a word, yes. of of these prophecies and the fact that you know by name that Cyrus was actually named. Yeah, that, as, that, that itself, his name, it's mentioned a number yeah. of times in in the Book of Isaiah, and he he wasn't even born yet, I guess, at that time. No, so, he wasn't. No, yeah. so um, yeah, that's pretty mind boggling. And uh, so then the dream that we saw before was this statue that had. Uh, four different major parts to it, or five really, I guess, including the feet. Feet of iron and clay, yeah. yeah. So, um, so what goes on from there? We just talked about the fall of Babylon, which was yes. the, the head of and gold. And now the Medo-Persians have come. And now right. the Medo-Persians, yep. yeah. Well, the Medo-Persians were represented by the silver breast, and chest and arms. By the way, silver, you go to some of the museums, you see lots of silver stuff comes from the Medo-Persians. It seemed to be a metal they loved right. and appreciated. Anyway, the Medo-Persian Empire lasted from 539 BC down to 331 BC. Which takes us to the next power. Daniel is talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's go back to that, that dream in, in Daniel 2. And he says, King, another, a third kingdom of bronze, that's the belly and thighs of brass or bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Well, it was the Greeks that defeated the Medo-Persians. Everybody's heard the story of Alexander, Alexander the Great yep. and his march into what was then called Persia and, uh, you know, destroying the great city of Persepolis, a beautiful city, that city even today, even in its ruins, a fantastic Persian city, but Alexander the Great conquered. And so they have the Greeks came to power. And they ruled from about 331 BC to 168 BC, thereabouts. And, of course, it was the Romans that conquered them. That's the iron legs now. Yes. Now, by the way, in Daniel's eighth chapter, he mentions the Greeks. 200 years before they even had come to power, he says this power is going to conquer the Medo-Persians, and they did. Mm. And, and a lot of detail in the book of Daniel. And, of course, all of this is before the events. So Daniel uh, continues. He says, finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. That's those iron legs. And so the Romans, of course, defeated the Greeks, and that iron monarchy, we call it. Historians call it the Iron Monarchy of Rome. Okay. It smashed uh, empire, the, the Greek Empire, and it ruled from about 168 BC as a united Roman Empire to 476 AD. So about 600 years, the mighty Roman Empire ruled the Mediterranean, Middle Eastern world. That's the, that's the area of the world we're talking about here. Okay. Is there anything significant about the fact that there's two legs? Like, wasn't the Roman Empire sort of, uh, there was e yes. east and west or something? There was, was there was, was an east divided. and west. But, 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 but it, it, when Daniel's talking about, he's talking, this is a united empire. Yeah. But they, they did, after, after, uh, you know, about 476 AD, we find that the Eastern Roman Empire continues and the West stops. But up until 476 AD, it's one great... One, one empire. One empire. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a powerful one too, wasn't it? Very powerful indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is all 
long before, 250 years before the Greek Empire, 450 years before the Rome Empire, the Roman Empire became powerful. These are just amazing predictions. It is. When you think about, like you said, Jason, 450 years before the Romans come to power, 200 years before the Fifty years before the Greeks, something's going on here. Yeah. You can't you can't make these specific predictions and not say I'm getting some special insights here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's by just... the way, Jason, be, be, before let me interrupt you, it was this was one of the prophecies that helped me realize that that you know this is incredible. This book, the Bible, it's 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 supernatural. It seems you know just from the way these predictions come out. But that's nothing. What we've talked about so far is nothing compared to what the prophecy goes on uh, on, on to say. And perhaps we'll pick that up after another song. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, and just before we go to the song, I'll just uh, briefly introduce the giveaway for today. Um, it's a resume of. Uh, I guess more detailed information about today's program, Back to the Future. So uh, we'll give you the code a bit later. So if you email, uh, sorry, if you text us in the code when we give it to you, there is one condition on this is that this giveaway is an email-based giveaway. So we need to make sure that um, when you text in, if the, uh, the Faith FM bot, it's a faithful uh, little bit of technology that asks you some questions on the way through if it asks you for your email address uh, we do need that in order to be able to send this resource to you so that's, that's because jason this is a resume that i put together and, and it's yes. in, in that digital form so, so it's, we not, send it's it out. not a book that uh, you can purchase online it's no. something that gary's no. prepared specifically and he will email or we will get that emailed to you um if you give us the code later or if you send us in the code later. So we'll give you that in the next section. This uh, next song is called The King Dreams and it's really specifically about this uh, dream of Daniel chapter 2. So have a listen. Um, we'll, we'll see what Someone, the other song someone's reveals. Someone's been reading about this prediction by the sounds, Jason, to they write have. a song like this. They have and it's quite, quite specific and quite detailed in this song as well. So let's have a listen to it. In the ancient land Chaldea In the mind of a troubled king Came a dream of power and meaning Yet the dreamer forgot everything But another who dreams of our future Will never forget what he sees So let's believe this dreamer, please The forgetter was Nebuchadnezzar who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there And they trembled with fear and chagrin Oh children, remember the spirit Who knows every dream we've dreamed Who tells us we are highly esteemed The king dreams He sees the future Why? 
The King Dreams, and that was featuring a number of artists, uh, Neville Peter, Krista, Deanna Mitchell, Brian Sylvester, and David Kim is the list that I've got here. Um, fascinating uh, song, really. It's uh, talking about that uh, King's Dream. That was that was absolutely incredible. I really enjoyed that. I've got to get a copy of that, Jason. Yeah, it's, all, it's uh, awesome. There's uh, a few, uh, few songs on that same album about... Uh, Daniel and there's uh, we might play another one in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, so yeah, love it. Um, now, Gary, we we've been looking at this uh, dream of the statue and how that represented the different uh, powers or the superpowers: Babylon, Medo Persia, Greece, and Rome. And uh, what was to come after Rome? Right. What we've seen so far is nothing compared to what's coming up. But before we go there, I just want to remind our listeners, Jason, of what 
how come Daniel's sharing this dream? Remember, he, he was caught between a rock and a hard place. If he can't tell the king his dream, he loses his head. That's what it says in yeah. the text. So, so this is uh, pretty important stuff. <laughs> yes, and he's, he prayed and God showed him. Now, I think this is a very good lesson for all of us because all of us, uh, you, myself, our listeners, we all sometimes come to points in our life where we're caught between a rock and a hard place and we don't know how to move forward. You know, It could be an illness. We've just been told by the doctor that we've got terminal cancer and, and, and our world is almost about to fall apart. It could be we lost our job. And maybe we've just been told, you know, uh, we've lost a loved one, someone really precious and dear to us, a child, a, a partner, and, and, and our world almost shatters. But this, this story is telling us we can go to God like Daniel did and say, God, I need your help. Mm. And he'll be with us to help us. I, I love that about this story. So he, he rescued Daniel by showing him the dreams. Anyway, let's keep going, yeah. as you said. Well, Daniel continues as he talks to the king after talking about the legs of iron and clay. He says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, so the feet and clay of iron, the feet of iron and clay, the kingdom shall be divided. In other words, the Roman Empire will be divided. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. That's Daniel 2, verse 41 and 42. Now, we know from history that's exactly what happened uh, after um, 476 AD. The western part of the Roman Empire was absolutely divided. Mm. And uh, it, the, 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 what we call the barbaric tribes in, the, in our history, they carved up the Roman Empire in the western part. And uh, those tribes became what we call Western Europe today. For example, the Alamanni, um, uh, the, the Anglo-Saxons became the English, the Franks, the French, and so on. And, and uh, the various what we call nations of Europe, Western Europe, came out of the breakup of the Western Roman Empire. Now, the feet of iron and clay, Daniel tells the king, uh, that goes from the, the breakup of the Roman Empire, 476 AD, down to the end of time. Mm. So this is the time we're actually living so, in now. Yeah, it's our current time. It's our time, yeah. And, and this is what he says to the king. He says, As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere one to another just as iron does not mix with clay. In other words, Daniel says to the king, there are going to be attempts to bring all these divisions of the old Roman Empire back together into one great superpower, but it's never going to happen, he makes this prediction, never to be united into one empire. Now, Jason, there have been many attempts at that over the centuries. For example, around about the 8th or 9th century AD, a guy called Charlemagne, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, we call it in history, he he went close, but he failed. We have Louis the Fourteenth of France. He went all pretty close, but he failed. We have um, Napoleon Bonaparte. We've all heard of Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon said this. It's it's recorded. Uh, there'll be one Europe. There'll be one currency. There'll be one language. There'll be one government over all of Europe. Well, when Wellington, uh, Wellington defeated uh, Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo, after that battle, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte is said to have said, God Almighty is too much for me. Mm. <laughs> Maybe he heard of, the, of, of this prediction. <laughs> Not sure. But the next guy that I want to talk about certainly did. Uh, his name was Kaiser Wilhelm. Let's talk about the German uh, nation back in the time of the First World War. The Kaiser... 
uh, Kaiser Wilhelm was the leader of Germany. Now, back in those days of the First World War, before it finished, the city of Metz was part of Germany. Today, it's part of France because after the, the First World War, they carved up the map a bit different, you know, and so Metz became part of France. But during the First World War, the people who were running this cathedral came to the Kaiser and they said, Kaiser, our roof's leaking. Will you pay for its repairs? There's a massive church. I visited it. You can see it today in, in France. And he said, yeah, I'll do it on one condition. He said, you've got some statues around your cathedral there, as many cathedrals do. He said, one of them is the prophet Daniel. He said, you take the the head of that statue off and make a replica of myself, a head of myself, and pop it on top of that statue and I'll fix your roof. Mm -hmm. It would seem that this guy knew about this prophecy. He knew the prophet said, you're not going to take this thing and make it one great superpower anymore. And so he, he had his own ideas. Well, then, of course, there was Adolf Hitler. What did he say? One people, one empire, one leader for a thousand-year Reich, which was all over in about 15 years, roughly, or more. So the Bible had predicted 2,500 years ago when Daniel talked to that ancient king, they will not adhere to one another at all. Now, there's one more interesting or a couple of other interesting predictions here. Daniel says they'll use marriage relationships. Now, marriage relationships... That was a fairly common thing to it do, wasn't it? It was a common thing. I mentioned in mm. a previous program, I think it was, where we talked about the Hittite peace treaty between the Egyptians and the, and the Hittites. It's, it's about forming, marriage. forming alliances, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. forming alliances. Mm. Well, Daniel predicted that this was one thing that would be tried to bring Europe to one. He says, they will mix with one another in marriage... But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. That's Daniel 2.43. Now, you can go to the Fredericksburg Castle in Denmark, and you will see uh, pictures of the different houses of royalty and how they've intermarried Mm. in an endeavour to have these alliances. And sometimes, you know, a Spanish king marries a French princess or whatever it is. And, you know, I guess the idea is, well, this, this becomes part of mine and I've got more territory or this will stop this family squabble. But they still fought like cats and dogs, and they're still not united today. In fact, right now while we're talking, there's another attempt going on, Jason. It's called the United States of Europe. Right. This I, is a I real, haven't even heard of that. Yeah, Time magazine, front cover story a few years ago, United States of Europe. Yeah. And this is what some of the leaders back then were saying about this idea, the European Union. Mm. Uh, President Mitterrand of France back then, of course, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have heard of him. Uh, he said, a great power is being born, meaning the European Union. Uh, then there was Helmut Kohl, the Chancellor of Germany back then. Uh, he says, the course is irreversible. In other words, we're going to get there. And then there's Romano Prodi, still hear about Romano Prodi today. He said, we can and we will succeed in creating a unified, prosperous, democratic Europe where citizens can live in peace and freedom. Mm. Well, about the only thing they've got common between them really is a currency, and not all of them have that currency. And then, of course, I wonder if you've heard of Brexit lately. Yes, uh, <laughs> I think they're well on the way, aren't they? <laughs> so, you know, we see, it, we yeah. see it, you're right, Jason, mm. we see it right before our eyes even today that they're still not united. And in fact, one of the great powers in the European Union has actually pulled out mm. Great Britain. That, that's a fascinating thing, isn't it, that... Uh, 
You know, it would have been hard to predict the outcome of that. Uh, was it a referendum that was held yes. or whatever it was, a decision that was made? Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, they made the decision to exit. Yeah. The point is, yeah. Daniel was right. He was right. 2,500 yeah. years ago, they're not going to be united. It's, it's absolutely amazing, isn't it, you know? It is, yeah. So these predictions that we just read, Daniel 2, I can't remember the yes. verse, Two and a half thousand years ago yep. was talking about things that have been happening in the last... In our own time. Yeah, and, and right up until the just in the last few years exactly. as, as we, we're going on, and I guess there's more to come as well yeah. in, in Daniel's uh, predictions. And there is, and one of the things, Jason, is that the Bible is so accurate, yeah, so specific, so accurate, and um, that's just phenomenal. So... so What's really the point? What's the, really the purpose of these predictions? Ah, that's a good question. So, so why make these bunch of predictions? Uh, you know, why, why talk about Cyrus and Isaiah way before it happened? Why talk about, you know, marriage into relationships and things that happened down there? What's the purpose? Good question. First one is this, that these things indicate, Jason, that the Bible is the most reliable source for knowing the future. That's the first thing I think we, we learn from this. You think about it. Daniel predicted uh, Babylon, the head of gold. It's come, it's gone. He said the silver chest and arms will be made of Persia. It's come and gone. Then he said the belly and thighs of brass, Greeks, yes, that happened. Now they're gone. Mm. Then he said the legs of iron, Rome, it's come, it's gone. And then the Roman Empire would be divided, never to be reunited again. In other words, all of those things have actually happened, mm. every one of them. So it gives you, it gives you a, a level of confidence. It, it does. It's reliable. That's mm. the point. And we, what we've tracked, not only in this presentation but in previous ones, is this, that two of the things needed, if you want a source that says, I know the future, you need two things from it. One, historical accuracy. Hmm. It gets the facts right, and the Bible does again and again. Secondly, it must have a proven track record of fulfilled predictions. What it predicts, it happens, and that's what we're being seeing. We're seeing if there's a pattern coming here. So, Jason, the second purpose, that's the first purpose. This is the most reliable source that we have for knowing the future. The second one is this, that this gives us hope. Yeah, There's hope here. Let me, let me explain why. God says through the prophet Jeremiah, and he's talking about predictions, here he says I know the plans that I have for you plans he declares the Lord sorry declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future now this was this was spoken to Jeremiah the, yeah to Jeremiah in the context of the the Israelites or the Hebrews wasn't yeah, it who about, were about in to captivity. go in, they're about to go into captivity well yeah. some of them were already but they're, they're about they have their city yeah. destroyed so God's saying I'm predicting things but there's hope coming there's hope and what I love about the the Bible is that we often read these things and Isaiah is the same we read mm. the texts and they were really um, written for the purpose of those people, uh, whether they would be in captivity or what have you. But um, we we can apply them very personally as well. Exactly. Because you know, this, this verse, I know, is a very uh, popular verse, yeah. and it gives a lot of people hope. Yes, and absolutely. Mm. But there's even more in the actual prophecy itself. Let me continue, okay. because what he says, how, how does hope play out here? Let's notice the king 
is listening and Daniel talks to him again. He says, now, King, what about that stone business? He says, you watched while a stone was cut out without any human hands. It struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all uh, crushed together and became like char from the summer threshing floor. Uh, the wind carried them away so that there was no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image on the feet became a mount, great mountain and filled up the whole earth. So what's the stone represent? Daniel is, tells the king, he says, very specifically, he says, in the days of these kings, the divided kings of Western Europe, the divided nations, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. In other words, someone else is not going to take over like in the past. And it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Mm. Now, Jason, that stone... In other words, God says that represents God's eternal kingdom, the rock kingdom. Now, this represents the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the world, because when we go to the Apocalypse or the book of Revelation, John is quoting from the book of Daniel, chapter 2, the very dream that we're talking about. Notice what he says. He says in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, talking about the end of the world, he says, the kingdoms of this world, the nations, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So he says, this kingdom is going to last forever. Now, Jason, before we go to our final song, let's just give a little window on this last empire. Sure. John gives it to us in the last verses of the Bible. And this is what he says about God's forever kingdom. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Revelation 21, 4 and 5. In other words, Jason, the last empire, God's kingdom, is going to be one where there's no more tears. We've had too many tears on this planet, haven't we? Mm. You, you watch those haunting pictures of little kids in Africa or someone who's been uh, lost their loved one in an earthquake. The tears, no more tears. He says, no more pain. I have a friend who's suffered pain for 50 years, morphine injection. Mm. You know, what a day when no more. Some of our listeners know what pain's about. God's going to take that away. No more sorrow. I was in a hotel room one night, and in the next room I could actually hear uh, through the walls what was going on. Someone, some, some wife, some partner was sobbing her heart out because her partner had taken off with another woman. Mm. And the sobbing of that poor lady, and I thought, wow, what a day when we don't have any of that sort of thing happening anymore. No sorrow. And then, of course, no death. We've stood over too many open graves said goodbye to too many good friends and loved ones, Jason. And there's coming a day when there'll be no more death. And Daniel finishes his prophecy by saying this, The great God has shown the king what shall come to pass in the future. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. So, Jason, there's hope. That's the point. There is hope. There is hope. Then that submarine was sitting on the bottom of the ocean, remember we began with? Yeah. Is there any hope? The Navy divers tapped a message on the outside hull, yes, there is hope. And this prophecy says to a world today that's so uncertain, yes, there is hope. We're not going out in a big bang or a big blip. There's coming another kingdom, a rock-solid hope, where there's no tears, no pain, no death, no sorrow. That's the kingdom our world needs today, Jason. 
Absolutely. We, we all need hope and uh, I think uh, we would all be pleased to live in a place where there was no more pain and death and sorrow. So yes. let's go to this break and uh, when we come back we'll give you the code for today's material, um, the resume on Back to the Future, which is all the detail about this program today. tears away and I felt the pain of heartbreak and I've seen the brighter days and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place and I have held your blessings God you give and take away no matter what I have your grace is enough and no matter where I am I'm standing on the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who sent me there. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. When I'm walking through the valley, I know I am not alone. Your God of the dreams get broken in you I hope again no matter what I know I'm safe inside your hands on the mountains I will bow my life to the one who sent me there in the valley I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there when I'm standing on the mountain I
Hills and Valleys by Torrin Wells, and that's so true, isn't it? Uh, we've we've just been, you know, studying about the fact that God has this plan. Mm. It's been rolling out in history. We are not alone in this world. We're not alone in this universe. Someone's in control. Someone is there. So we promised before the break that we would give you the code to today's um, resume, Back to the Future, and the code is DIG3. DIG, that's D-I-G, and the number three. No spaces, DIG3. If you text that into us uh, on 0488 880 we'll get that out. Now, just give us a bit more information about that. Yeah, the resume is called Back to the Future. In other words, it's going to be a summary with more detail than we've been able to share in this short time of what we've been talking about today. Our, our listeners will love it. They can read the text for themselves. They can check up on the history and the archaeological details, some of which we've talked about. Okay. Now, Gary, we've just got a couple of minutes to wrap up. Let's uh, let's do that. Okay, so we're talking about why these predictions. Number one, we saw, listen, the Bible's the most reliable source for knowing the future. Second, God wants us to have hope. These predictions are not about gloom and doom, Jason. They're about hope for the future. Yeah. But there's two more quick ones, and those are, one, God wants us to know and believe in him. Because this is how he sums it up when he's talking about prophecy. He says, remember the former things of old. I am God and there is no other declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, and that's those passages we're talking about the predictions of Cyrus. Jesus put it this way when he was here. He made predictions. Notice what he said. Now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Yeah. You might believe that I am the Messiah. I am God in, in human flesh. In other words, he was really saying. That's yeah. John thirteen nineteen. So, Jason, why does God want us to know that he exists and that he is? There's one great reason. It's right in the middle of those prophecies. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, God says, Look to me, trust in me, in other words, and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. In other words, Jason, God wants you and me and our listeners to be part of this great last empire that's coming with no tears, no pain, no sorrow. Now, Jason, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, but I'm going to make a prediction right now. Okay. <laughs> when you go to bed and our listeners go to bed tonight, we're all going to take our shoes off our feet yep. before we jump into bed. That's my prophecy. That's your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's a fair, it's, it's a fair prediction. <laughs> but seriously, I hope we look at our feet and say that's where we are today, down in the feet of iron and clay. We yeah. can divide it soon to pass away. What's the next thing? This last empire is soon to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I really would encourage you to read the book of Daniel and the chapter 2 that we've been talking about today. Uh, you can see all of the information that we've been uh, talking about and the prophecies are there. Um, but also get that book, that uh, sorry, that reading uh, material, the resume of Back to the Future that Gary has uh, prepared for you. Now, to, um, next week, Gary, what's yeah, your Jerusalem topic? and Pompeii, global warnings. So we've got a great program next week. We're going to go to some amazing high-octane predictions from the city of Jerusalem. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm really finding this uh, series fascinating, Gary, and uh, 
Uh, I hope our listeners are as well. I'm sure they are. Um, tomorrow we've got Raiko Celic, and he'll be continuing his series called 3MJ, uh, Jesus' Final Week, and the Parable of the Wicked Vine Dressers. Now, we hope that you can join us both next week with Gary and also tomorrow with Raiko. Until then, we uh, pray and hope that you have a good day wherever you are, wherever you're listening. And uh, if you're in Tassie, you can catch us again at 4.30pm today. And remember, you can catch our past episodes on the Faith FM app as well as the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.